It's another morning, and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late, you're stranded. Get ahead of unexpected car repairs before they strike with CarShield, the most trusted vehicle protection company. For almost 20 years, CarShield has saved millions of drivers from repair nightmares with low monthly plans that cover up to 5,000 major parts and systems, like pricey transmission and engine repairs, and check engine light mysteries. Visit CarShield today at carshield.com carlson. Plans include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, help with flats, lockouts, and rental car options. Save 20% and get a free quote by visiting CarShield online at carshield.com slash carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with CarShield. Go to carshield.com slash carlson and save 20% today. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD or text GOLD to 65532. We're talking about Christmas. All right, so it's coming up fast, as you know. And how it has changed in America. Changed drastically since I was an urchin. That was a while back, I'll admit. I mean, I have a lot of Botox, so I don't look as old as I am. But um, it's changed. So let me give you some stats. We're always stat-driven here. 64% of Americans identify today as Christian. All right. In 1937, membership in houses of worship in the USA was 73%. Last year, 47%. So it's gone from 73 in 1937 to 40%. 47%. That's membership. That doesn't mean they show means they're aligned with the church. Okay? Atheism has grown from 8% in 2000 to 21% 20 years later. It's a big leap. Okay? According to Gallup, 93% of Americans do celebrate Christmas in one way or another. Okay? But only 35% consider it to be a religious occasion. So let me give you that again. 93% celebrate Christmas, only 35 celebrated in a religious way. So these are pretty stark. Now, when I was a kid growing up in Levittown, uh, Long Island, New York, big ethnic enclave. Uh, most of the people there were uh, GIs coming back from World War II. 
who moved into very inexpensive homes because they got the mortgage and all that. They came from Brooklyn. They came from Queens, a little from the Bronx, but mostly Brooklyn and Queens, heavy ethnic Irish and Italian. Okay. And we live side by side peacefully with Jews. There was a big component of Jews in Levittown, but it was a heavy Christian presence. Okay. So Christmas was the highlight of the year because we didn't have very much in Levittown and the kids got toys. And I remember getting Ford Apache. I, I mean, that shut me up for about two days, delighting my parents is playing with Ford Apache. And I got the Davy Crockett Kins comb skin cap and I, you know, I was, loved it. I, I believed in Santa until I was 23 because I wanted to believe in Santa because it was that much fun. And then we went caroling uh, people didn't ask for us to go caroling. We just went and knocked on the doors and they gave us a dollar and we gave it to charity. It was just an exceptional time, right? Everybody was happy. Everybody was friendly. Everybody went to mass. Now, our Jewish friends, they celebrated Hanukkah. We couldn't quite figure out what that was, but we were jealous because they got seven presents and, you know, that was more than we were getting. But it was a season of good cheer. Now, it's changed. All right. Now, I try to keep a very traditional home myself. Um, I got the tree. I got the presents. I got the Christmas music. You know, don't overdo that, but we have it. And uh, we go to mass and uh, we do all the things that I did when I was a urchin, when I was a young boy. And I think it's worthy. But so many people do not. So many people have changed. So the question tonight is, why? What has changed in America that has altered Christmas? Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds, and stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKSeedKits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. Who is there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The foundations in the line of duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9 
9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings and barbecues, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. So our first guest is Father Edward Peck. I've known him for a very long time. He is a passionist priest, comes to us from Westchester, New York. He serves as a CNN religious commentator, and those heathens over there really need that. Um, but uh, he's got a good perspective on, uh, on the country and religion. So when I laid out my vision of Christmas, the key question is, what has changed? Well, you know, I was able to identify, though, with a lot of what you said. I grew up in Brooklyn. It was a very Christian community, though we lived side by side next to Jewish families, including Hasidim Jews who celebrated Hanukkah. And certainly more people went to Mass. You saw more creches and mangers and, and all of that. So the sentimentality of that, I certainly identify with. Interestingly, you spoke more about a cultural Christmas in many ways than a religious one. I mean, you were talking about the presents and the tree and the caroling and all of that. But there wasn't a lot of Jesus in what you just said or Christ. And I think what a lot of people are complaining about today is that it seems as though because we've become more secular, that people are resenting the religious celebration of it, that they want to keep it secular. I think that's an interesting trend because less people are going to church. You have more identifying as nuns, N-O-N-E-S, no religious affiliation. And so they're fine to celebrate cultural, but don't put a religious spin on it. And I think that's been more of the shift that I have seen. More people celebrate Christmas, actually, as far as I'm concerned, but less the religious dimension. But why is that? Why, you know, you may remember, and I, I, I think you do, that in the middle 2000s, there was a war on Christmas. The ACLU filed a number of lawsuits to get the creche out of the public square. Big, big time department stores were ordering their employees not to say Merry Christmas, only say Happy Holidays. And it was a huge culture battle with me leading the charge to save Christmas. And I won on Fox News because I had that platform. And we basically told the stores, if you ban Merry Christmas, we're going to say that you're doing it and your receipts are going to drop through the floor. And then all of a sudden, magically, I guess it was Jesus who did it. They all started saying Merry Christmas again, but I had to threaten them. So yeah. my question back then, and it remains the same today, is that I don't think Americans believe in Jesus as a savior nearly as much as they did even three decades ago. I would say you're right about that. And I'm not so sure I believe the whole war on Christmas dimension so much as that we've become much more attuned and sensitive to cultural and religious diversity that sometimes we bend over the other way for it. But some of that doesn't really bother me. In other words, if someone knows I'm a priest. Well, well, let me stop and you. And they say you to were, me, happy, happy. Let me stop you. If you're a young Catholic teenager 
working in a department store and a guy manager came over and said, you can't say Merry Christmas. You telling me that's not going to bother you? Well, I understand it in the sense that not everybody is Christian who's shopping in the store. So maybe you know somebody's Jewish and you say happy holidays or happy Hanukkah. If someone knows I'm a Catholic priest, I want them to say Merry Christmas to me because I'm. No, but if you're a kid, why can't you just say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays? The the words Merry Christmas were actually banned in some of these stores. That was outrageous. Yeah, I think that's too much. I think it make it more inclusive, not exclusive. Don't say you can't say Merry Christmas, but be culturally sensitive that not everybody celebrates Christmas. So if they want Happy Hanukkah or Happy Holidays, include that too. I think it's more inclusion than exclusion would be my... Right. I, I don't care about inclusion, you know me. Uh, I know. All of this woke stuff, can you know, you can take it and put it in an envelope. But there has been a decline in belief. Most definitely. Unfortunately, it's very sad to me. And the statistics that you quoted are higher than I've experienced. In the Catholic Church right now, attendance is hovering around 20%. Yeah. Nowhere near 50-something percent. So I think there's much less religious affiliation, institutional religious affiliation. But you must have thought about why. When I see you show up to Mass with your son, I'm inspired by that. Because a lot of times you don't see young men your son's age coming to church anymore especially with their well, he father. has to it's either come to church or cut the lawn so he's coming to church <laughs> i'm not above bribing but you but you, come on father why why what has caused the american people to abandon traditional religious beliefs well, I think that there's been disenchantment with institutions. I mean, look what's happened in the Catholic Church alone with the sex abuse scandal. I think overall people are less confident of institutions, political institutions, governmental ones, religious ones. It all falls under the same spectrum. So I think that part of it is we've just lost faith in that. And people are much more freewheeling and free-spirited, and they want to be spiritual but not religious. And I don't know if that's a phase or a trend, but it's certainly, I agree with you, it's happening. And I think that people are disenchanted with institutions and religious ones as well. All right. I'm going to give you two reasons why I think the decline is underway in the belief systems. And, And by the way, evangelical Christians, they still are very, very fervent. So they lift up the Catholics and the others, the Episcopals and the Presbyterians. But anyway, I'm going to give you two. Number one, I go to church because my people have gone to church for thousands of years. And I am not going to... meaning Christians? No, Irish Catholics. Oh, okay. Okay? So I'm not abandoning that. Right. And I'm going to take it cradle to grave. I've already made that commitment. It's good for me to do it. I need an hour to just think about other stuff. But when I go to that church, no matter where it is, the odds are the sermon, which is the key component to attracting people in now, is boring. Yep. And a lot of times said by priests who can't speak English because we don't have enough American priests. So I'm sitting there and I, I get Advent. I know what Advent is. And there's a guy 20 minutes droving on about Advent. And I'm going, Phew, 
You know, everybody in this church knows and you can't you can't assign it to our lives. Right. And they don't even try. It's just boring. The second thing is to be a churchgoer or a person involved with religion takes discipline. I mean, you can't have the phone for an hour. And, and uh, some people just can't live without it. This is the God right here, right here. That's the deity. Okay. So the, the decline of discipline in society in all levels, education is a tremendous example, but people, they're not interested. They, they don't believe in heaven and hell. They don't believe in right and wrong. They don't believe in the saints or the sinners. They don't believe in any of that. They want to do what they want to do. Immediate gratification. Am I wrong? Well, you know, the first thing you said, I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, homilies need to be better, but they were always boring for many people. We used to have a mass in Latin. People didn't even understand what was being said, but they not still the showed homily, up. The mass is in Latin, but the, I was an altar boy. The yeah, but they weren't that much English. better. They were that much better when you were an no, altar boy were, homilies? No, no, they were boring then too. They were boring. People still showed up. So you can't blame it on the homilies. That hasn't changed. I mean, I think I'm a pretty good preacher. Some people still don't come, even if I'm preaching a homily that they like. So I don't know about the boring homilies. The second part is an interesting observation, and I think I may agree with that somewhat. Um, what exactly was, was the second one that you said? I... <laughs> it's the lack of discipline. They can't get oh, yeah. away the lack of from discipline. the secular pursuits. They have right. to be on the phone or the iPad right. every second. And but you know, this... they have discipline elsewhere. So why, I mean, people do have structure in their lives. They show up for work. They show up for appointments. They show up for parties. They have to, they have to show up But that's up fun. Or that's, yeah, I got to have money to eat. The spiritual thing is you can't see it. It's yeah, not, but they're searching for it it's elsewhere. It's a belief. But they're Maybe. searching for it elsewhere. They're doing Maybe. yoga. They're showing up for yoga class and meditating. That's okay. a discipline. They're doing that. They're showing Some up. Some do. But most people, they don't want to be bothered, Father. I know, because I ask people, hey, how come you don't go to church? This, I, you but know, Sunday, I want, to, I want to watch the game. I want to sleep late. I don't want to go over there. That's what it is. Yeah, but is, hasn't that always been the case, though? Well, you had a lot, lot more people going to church 30 years ago than you do now. I know, but I don't think they were more disciplined necessarily 30 years ago. Well, they were there. For whatever reason, they were there. They're not there anymore. Maybe less, less distracted. Work. We did have less things to distract us. That's true. Right. I'll agree with that. Right. All right, Father, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, best of the season to you. You're a good man. Even though you Thank work you. at CNN, I don't hold that against you. Um, no, I, I got fired this week, Bill. I didn't know that you got fired. What'd you do? Did you well, I shouldn't say fired. My contract expires in April and they are not renewing it. Yeah, because they're pagans. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, Father. Thank you. Merry, Merry Christmas, Bill. So now let's take a look at the history of Christmas in America. Now it sounds maybe a little dull, right? It's not. It's not. So right now I am in the process of writing my last killing book. All right, it's called Killing the Witches, the Horror of Salem, Massachusetts. It'll be out next fall. The Puritans who came over on the Mayflower, they banished Christmas. No Christmas. Nope. None of that. 
and uh, they dominated New England and other parts of North America, the New World. And you could not celebrate Christmas at all. Now, the Dutch in New Amsterdam, which became New York, of course, they had their traditions from Europe of Christmas. And then uh, a few other colonies kind of snuck it out as the New World started to unfold. But in the beginning, this was not a Christmas place. So I asked my staff to find a historian who really knows a lot about the evolution of Christmas in America. And uh, now we have, joining us from Fort Myers, Florida, Bill Federer. He is the author of the book, There Is Really a Santa Claus, The History of St. Nicholas and Christmas Holiday Traditions. So I wanted to pick it up, uh, Mr. Federer, there with the Puritans basically saying, hey, you start to celebrate Christmas, we'll put you in a rack. I mean, they were really militant anti-Christmas people. How did then the American tradition of Christmas begin? Hey guys, it's Vivek Ramaswamy here, inviting you to listen to my podcast, Truth. We just relaunched it after the campaign, and we are already riding up the podcast charts. Here's why. I think that hard, in-depth conversations about the tough issues is the only way we're going to get this country back. Because make no mistake, we are currently in a war for the future of America, and you cannot win a war unless you're willing to speak the truth. If you want standard conservative talking points, this podcast is not for you. But if you want to go deeper and hear the conversations you're not going to find anywhere else, the conversations that will challenge you, that will challenge me, then subscribe to Truth with Vivek Ramaswamy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere. Did you know every day is a perfect day for peace of mind? With American Home Shield Warranty, you are covered for unexpected breakdowns like leaky faucets or faulty water heaters. Choose a plan that fits your budget and rest easy knowing repairs and replacements are taken care of. Simply contact American Home Shield when an issue arises and their trusted pros will handle it according to your coverage. Don't let worries about appliances and home systems weigh you down. Celebrate the reassurance of protection. Don't worry, be warranty. For 20% off plans, visit ahs.com slash bill. For more details, see ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product is being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. Well, uh, the background is uh, St. Nicholas was the most popular Greek Orthodox saint. He was to the Greek Orthodox, sort of what St. Patrick is to the Irish, uh, sort of a founding father of their faith. And he was a movement swept through early Christianity called pietism or monasticism, where if you really became a Christian, you were expected to give away your money and join a monastery. And so he was going to give away his money, but he wanted to do it anonymously so God would get the credit, not him. And so he would throw money in the window of poor people, supposedly land in a shoe or stocking that's drawn by the fireplace. It was just a Greek thing until the Islamic invasion. People forget in 846 AD, 11,000 Muslim warriors invaded Rome and trashed the bones of St. Peter and St. Paul. 
And so now this is the year 1087 AD, and they moved the bone to St. Nicholas over to Italy, a little town called Bari. And the tradition of gift giving spread so much so that St. Francis of Assisi, sort of in protest, came up with the nativity scene in 1223 AD, the Jesus, Mary, Joseph, donkeys in the manger, and need to get back to the real reason for the season. Martin Luther brings the Reformation to Germany, but not because of a spiritual thing necessarily. He ends all the saints' days, including the popular St. Nicholas Day, and he moves all the gift giving to December 25th and said all gifts come from the Christ child. And the German pronunciation of Christ child is Chris Kindle, like kinder care, kindergarten, kind means child, Chris means Christ. And over the years, Chris Kindle got pronounced Chris Kringle. Anyway, Martin Luther is also the one that is credited with putting candles in the branches of the tree. The tree is symbolic of the Germans converting to Christianity uh, around the same way St. Patrick left Britain and evangelized the Druids in Ireland in the uh, 800s. Uh, eighth century you have saint boniface leave britain and evangelize the germanic tribes he chops down thor's tree at geismar and uh points with thursday comes from thor's day it was a germanic name and he points toward an evergreen tree and says this is a tree that's evergreen points toward heaven sort of in the shape of a triangle like the trinity anyway uh so martin luther puts the candles in the branches but then we fast forward to britain and henry the eighth brings back an old Roman holiday, Saturnalia. You have to remember, Britain used to be a Roman colony, and Saturn was their god of feasting and plenty and merriment. If you've ever seen the Christmas Carol with Charles Dickens, the spirit of Christmas present, you look at this guy and ask yourself, who is he? He sort of looks like uh, Santa, but he also looks like a Roman god. Well, it was. It was Saturn, but they Christianized him, called him Father Christmas. During this time in Britain, Christmas became a party time carousing, drinking, wassailing, where you take a drink of booze and throw the rest of it on a plant for a nice harvest. And sort of like Mardi Gras used to be a spiritual day. It was the day before Lent when you would fast 40 days before Easter and celebrate the resurrection. Uh, but now it's a lewd party in New Orleans. That's sort of what happened with Christmas under Henry VIII. And so when the Puritans come along, uh, they outlaw Christmas, as you mentioned. Um, they actually forbade Shakespeare from mentioning God in his plays. They said it's like casting pearls before swine to mention the name of God in front of a bunch of drunk people at a theater. And they actually, it was during this time that Shakespeare writes uh, Midsummer's Night's Dream because he wants something supernatural and now he's got to put in fairies. And then he writes The Twelfth Night, but it's a, a Saturnale, it's a carnivalesque sort of a part drunken thing. And so the Puritans eventually tear the Globe Theater down. And it's not rebuilt till the 1980s as a tourist attraction. And so uh, you had Cotton Mather, a Puritan leader. He said, can God be honored by mad mirth and hard drinking fit for a Bacchus or a Saturn or a Muhammad in Ramadan? Certainly you don't think that the king of heaven is honored by this that has more in, in uh, relation to the hell than heaven. And, and so in 1659, the Puritans pass a law outlawing Christmas, uh, a five shilling fine for anybody caught yeah. celebrating Christmas. So let me stop you there. Um, so the, the uh, New World, dominated by the Puritans, which became known as the Pilgrims later on, okay, they don't want any part of it. So when did it break out? When, let's fast forward up, what was the breakout point? Uh, so the Dutch, um, uh, they took a, a verse in the Bible where it says in the book of Revelation, Jesus will return at the end of the world 
to judge the living and the dead riding a white horse. And the saints will come back with him riding white horses. And St. Nicholas is one of the saints, so he'll be one of those riding a white horse. But he gets to come back once a year for a little mini checkup, a little mini judgment. See if the kids are on the right track, see who's naughty, see who's nice. And so the Dutch, to this day, have St. Nicholas. They pronounce St. Nicholas Sinterklaas or Santa Claus. Right. Well, Santa Claus is the Dutch. And they have him coming back once a year riding a white horse dressed and as a And that was going on in New York, in New Amsterdam, in that whole area down there, right? Right. And so Washington Irving, uh, he describes St. Nicholas visiting once a year, throwing presents down the treetops, publishes Dietrich Knickerbocker's History of New York, coins the term Gotham City. and But he says he describes Nicholas not dressed as a bishop as over in Holland, but in a typical Dutch outfit, long trunk, trunk hose, belt, boots, uh, uh, stocking hat. And then in 1823, in New York, Clement Moore. His family donates land for a Episcopal seminary. There's a park in New York named Clement Moore Park. He writes a poem for his children, 1823. Uh, Twas the night before Christmas, all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Stockings were hung by that chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas would right. soon be there. The so he's still a saint, Christmas. but he shrunk. Now, and, at, that uh, time, Thomas, at that time, in the 1820s, now we're getting up into semi-modern times, was Christmas then spreading across the United States, the young United States? Did it permeate New England? Was there resistance up there or did that resistance collapse? And where in the United States was it most embraced outside of New York? I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to the Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right. So New England was the uh, last place. Matter of fact, in 1621, a second boatload of pilgrims come over and they wanted to celebrate Christmas. William Bradford allowed them, but he comes back at lunchtime and sees them playing in the street. So he confiscates all their right. uh, games and says, observe it in your homes. Uh, it wasn't until the German, French, and Dutch came to America in waves that they brought their Christmas traditions with them. And uh, the Dutch primarily, uh, but then in the early 17 and 1800s, you had the Germans. And uh, the Christmas tree got popularized at this time. It was uh, Franklin Pierce was the first president to put a Christmas tree in the White House. Um, and you had uh, Charles Dickens write the Christmas Carol, which popularized it over there in Britain. Right. Uh, new Christmas songs were being sung. Uh, Thomas Nass was a Civil War illustrator for Harper's Weekly magazine. He gave us the Republican elephant and Democrat mule. He was the first one to put a North Pole sign behind the picture of St. Nicholas 
And it was actually a political jab at the South to say St. Nicholas is associated with the North. I right? have and, in my house here where I'm talking to you, the original Harper's Weekly Christmas cover drawn by Thomas Nash. My, oh my. It, 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 has, it has Santa, but it has a whole bunch of other um, legends, you know, children's stories in it. It's got two children. Um, it's got some gifts. It's just an amazing piece. So then the Germans are most responsible, the German immigrant wave that came here to get the land and farm the land and all that before the Civil War. Um, they're most responsible for the Christmas that we know now, the tree and the other traditions, correct? Right. Um, and, and then you had Lincoln observed Christmas, but then um, Ulysses S. Grant, and then they would put up a Christmas tree in the White House. And uh, it really wasn't until the late 1800s that it became a national thing. Um, you had um, Haddon Sunblum was the artist hired for Coca-Cola. And he's the one that gave us the Quaker Oats Man and Aunt Jemima Syrup. He's the one that for 30 years in a row did a picture of Santa Claus drinking Coke. And now, when was it Coke made a, a national holiday? Do you remember? Um, the different states did in the late 1800s. I think Alabama was the first one that did. Um, and then um, it was recognized. I think Ulysses has Grant uh, to a certain degree like a holiday off. He did. Um, he, but it was Grant, Grant made it a federal holiday um, where no federal workers were required to come, um, including the postal workers. So then we fast forward into our Christmas traditions, which stayed pretty much the same in the 20th century. There wasn't a big change in the motifs, the way people bought presents. Uh, miracle on 34th Street with the Macy's thing, the movies. When some movies came in, they depicted traditional Christmas, right? Was there any outliers there? Um, uh, there were. Uh, it is interesting. During World War II, Franklin Roosevelt uh, gives Christmas Day off. And some people also wanted New Year's off. And he said, no. He says, uh, Christmas is the only holiday in all the year. Then all the rest of the year, we stay working in our factories for the war effort. Um, but you, uh, you began to see, especially with the, the calendar, um, you know, for those not familiar, Christianity is the largest religion in the world, right? Two billion people. And it, the dating for the entire planet goes back to Christ's birth, right? right? Uh, it was, uh, uh, Dionysus exegists a monk in the in term of Justinian, and he's dating stuff back to this Roman Empire, Diocletian, and he's like, why are we doing it? Diocletian persecuted Christians. And he, in the margin, wrote the years back to Christ's birth, and he was a monk, and it began to spread amongst the monasteries, and then eventually became, especially with the, the colonizing era spread around the world. But the dating system used in the world today goes back to the birth of Christ. Right, and there's a That's great a quote centerpiece. From now, it really exploded economically, um, in what, 1960, in that range, when people started to have a little bit more money after World War II and everybody was working. Is that when Christmas, the commercial stuff, really exploded? Um, actually, a little bit earlier than that, uh, Franklin Roosevelt uh, wanted to move the date of Thanksgiving an extra week earlier, so there'd be another week before Christmas, trying to you know, jumpstart yeah. us out of the Depression. And it became a campaign issue. 
the Republicans were like, no, we want to move it back. Uh, but it was the trying to get another week of shopping in. Um, it, it didn't work. He, he moves it back, uh, takes away that campaign issue. And that uh, shortly thereafter is the when Pearl Harbor was bombed. But now, um, last question for you. Um, the religious aspect of Christmas has declined as we become a more secular country. But the commercial aspect of Christmas, I don't think that's ever going to decline. Do you agree? Uh, definitely. And um, it, it's a mixed thing because some people say, oh, well, it's materialistic. Well, if, if there wasn't some financial benefit for it, it would be a forgotten holiday like like Pentecost or something. I mean, um, so it's, it is something that we... For those of us that are Christian, you can redeem it by saying, hey, let me tell you the real reason for it. Um, and it's uh, important to understand, um, uh, you know, the gospel concept that God's a just God. He has to judge every sin, but he's a loving God that he provided his own son to be the lamb to take the judgment for us. And, and that's what's celebrated uh, in, um, you know, Charles Wesley in one of his hymns. He says, amazing love. How could it be that thou, my my God, shouldst die for me? Right. And so the, but, the lamb uh, you is got God's plenty way to... Of you have plenty of non-believers, uh, you know, just getting into the spirit of the camaraderie of Christmas. Mr. Federer, we thank you very much. Very knowledgeable guy. Boy, I'll tell you what. If I have any questions, I'm calling you. And uh, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. Okay, so there you have a pretty good overview of where we are uh, as Christmas approaches. 2022, the United States of America. Uh, to me, it's my favorite holiday, holy day. Uh, I'm Catholic, so I believe in uh, the birth of Jesus and the worthiness of him. I wrote a book called Killing Jesus, which is a good Christmas gift if you really want to know the big picture there. But anyway, I hope you and your family and your friends all prosper this Christmas season. Relax, you know, have a good time. And uh, thank you for watching Shock and Awe. We'll see you soon.